Okay, welcome to Five Things, the Five Things podcast brought to you by Gray and Social Media Week. Uh, as you probably know by now, it's our roundtable experience covering stories ranging from platform updates to creative inspiration, case studies, things in the news, drama, maybe some bants thrown in there. We'll throw some bants in There'll there. There'll be some bants in there. Uh, without further ado, though, let's uh, get to who we have on this week's episode of Five Things. I'm going to start all the way across the podcast recording studio here at Grey Towers in New York with Holly Williams, who is our global strategy director here at Grey. Hi, Holly. Hi. Hi, Happy pal. Happy joining you this week. And then we have Travis, tra- a special guest this week, Travis Montague, who is the CEO of Holla, has come all the way from... Fifth, uh, Fifth and 38th Street. Dude, that's 15 blocks. I know, horrible. Thanks for coming here. Did I'm you gonna... bird scooter here? Oh, wait, it's not LA. We'll get to Kenny in a minute. Sure. In fact, why don't we get to Kenny Gold right now? Kenny Gold is dialing in from the West Coast where he's watching the sunrise over Malibu. Is that about right, Ken? Yeah, sort of. Yes, in Los Angeles, watching the sunrise, not near Malibu. Yeah, okay. Kenny Gold is our head of social media in North America. And then rounding out today's crew, as ever, is Toby Daniels, CEO and founder of... Social Media Week. Before we get started... Wait, who are you? Dan Bennett. Oh. Worldwide Chief Innovation Officer at Grey. (laughs) (laughs) That was awkward. Before we get started, I want to spend two minutes, if you don't mind, Travis, talking a little bit about Holla, what's going on there, what you're doing. Let's get to know you just briefly. Do you mind? Yeah, for sure. So Holla is the easiest way for people to add stickers and gifts to their videos and private messages. And so we each day uh, hollers in over a billion messages uh, all around One the world. billion. One billion each day. And uh, we are responsible for adding uh, a little bit more sizzle to the videos and chat experiences that people have. By any chance, can, can holler add any sizzle to uh, podcasts? Because we could do with a little bit of a shot in the arm occasionally, right? Oh, definitely. If yeah. I could add a sticker to this podcast. We should I do would. it. We'll yeah. work out how to do that. Uh, all right, and we'll touch on a few few more things as we go through uh, today's conversation. Let's break down what we're talking about today. Uh, we're going to start at number one with Vine, uh, the Vine co-founder launching Byte, and uh, Travis is actually going to talk us about that. We're going to do uh, Snapchat signing the Olympics deal with the NBC, with the, with NBC, uh, Instagram adding new mention options to stories, TikTok signing a new music licensing deal. You won't be surprised to hear, long-time listeners, that Toby's going to talk about TikTok. Mm-hmm. And then uh, number five is Mark Ronson joining Chase Content Creators as a music supervisor. So all the way back to the top, number one, uh, Vine, co-founder creating or launching Byte. Travis, take it away, dude. Yeah, no, I mean, I think uh, Byte launching this week represents a big development in the space. Uh, when you look at Byte and apps like TikTok, they are really forwarding the the rise of social entertainment versus where people are people are becoming content creators versus the people who are uh, posting videos and things about their lives or day to day funny photos etc. And so the rise of social entertainment is something that we've been following very closely uh, in the United States. It's in North America in general. It's still very new um, when it compared to other areas like China, where, you know, the, the, the TikTok version of China is Douyin and they have 400 million daily active users and 95 percent of the population uses that application. And so while, you know, TikTok has been in the news uh, very heavily, I think there is opportunities uh, given the amount of adoption that 
there is in the United States so far for another player to get some some traction. So so the so just just to clarify what bite is um, for those of us that are uninitiated a bit, it feels sort of very similar to Vine, right? It's six second short form user created content basically. Yeah. Um, and how how does it differentiate itself from Vine? How's it different in that regard? Well, it's a couple of uh, interesting aspects to this. I mean, so um, we we wrote a piece um, a couple of days ago about this. Um, talking specifically about kind of how the sort of evolution of short form video and, and in particular in terms of like what it represents as a category in the kind of like entertainment space as Travis was talking about. Um, and so, you know, Vine definitely sort of pioneered this like co concept or idea of producing kind of like a six second or incredibly short piece of content that like basically loops. Um, so that was kind of, you know, something that they can definitely kind of hang their hat on for sure. And Byte, which is this new app, is um, launched by one of the co-founders of Vine, right? So they obviously see some white space or an opportunity to enter into a really well understood category in terms of like how people consume content. Whether or not they do well is just, you know, impossible to say at this point because they're not necessarily coming out with anything that's like particularly new or different or that offers something as an alternative um, in this sort of particular sort of social entertainment category. But what is interesting for me is just seeing how the kind of the space continues to evolve as, you know, consumers obviously uh, are demanding kind of more of this like incredibly short form, very digestible, very shareable um, video content. No, to add, what, to add to what you're saying, Toby, I think one of the things that's going to be incredibly important for Byte is to uh, really advance their creator tools quickly. Mm. Um, so one of the things that, given what we do at Holler, we have the opportunity to speak with a lot of the social companies, video, short-form video companies. And the thing that is on top of the minds of the product individuals at those organizations are how could they give the access to the creators um, to more things that enable them to create more interesting content. Mm. If you look at the Byte application today, there's nothing in that regard uh, for several reasons. Some of them, some of those features and tools are expensive to create. Um, to scale the content globally is another really significant challenge. And so what we're gonna have to observe with Byte over time is how quickly they're going to be able to ramp up the types of tools that they make available to their creators. And ultimately that will drive more content that's stickier and start feeding the, the community. Good, I like that. I feel like we're going to be hearing more about Byte in the next few weeks on Should, should I become the resident Byte expert? Is that... I think you've got to master the TikTok thing first. Okay, but uh, I also wonder if, Joey, we can link to the article that Toby mentioned that Social Media Week put out. When was that, a couple of days ago? I think it's actually the article that we're referencing in the report. We'll link to that in uh, notes. In okay. the notes, yeah. Uh, number two, uh, Holly is going to talk to us about Snapchat signing Olympics deal with NBC. Yeah, so this is really cool. It's um, this... This week, uh, Snapchat and Olympics NBC announced uh, their partnership, which is not new news. They've uh, partnered in the Olympics. This is the third time that they've partnered together. But what's really interesting about this news is that it's three times the size of um, previous deals. So over the course of the Summer Olympics uh, this year, they'll produce 70 different shows. 
um, specifically targeted at a younger demographic. 70. 70. Wow. So, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah, four different types of programs, lots of kind of highlight reels, recaps in real time, a lot of kind of scripted and unscripted content, um, stuff that looks at kind of the life uh, that's unfolding during the Olympics. So a real diversity and mix of content that's being produced. But I think what's really interesting is that this offers an opportunity to create real value for that kind of ever-elusive younger audience who are not super interested in watching linear TV. So rather than a partnership that's really a kind of a marketing tool to drive traffic back to the traditional programming, this is going to create a real destination yeah. for younger audiences to engage with the Olympics, which is kind of cool. It's especially interesting if you think about, and perhaps pertinent, maybe be only to the American team, but the age of the athletes and the nature... So sorry, that's so unprofessional that my computer would make all those noises in the middle of... Don't edit that out. I like everybody to know the wrinkles of this podcast. Uh, Kenny, I just muted you, but now I've got to put you back on. Uh, what I was saying, and I thought was perhaps reasonably interesting, was that the if you think about the age of the athletes, a lot of the way they communicate, especially during these sort of events, is going to be on these channels, right? right? So I wonder if this represents an opportunity for NBC, in this case, to plug into more of that sort of purely created for platform content. Yeah, I think definitely. I also I wonder... Oh, sorry, Holly. Go for it. See, talk about talk about a wrinkle. I can't see what everyone's doing, so it's hard for me to, you know, all that. But I think it's interesting that NBC is moving into this space because they have done a ton of work on Snapchat on the news front, and I wonder if they saw something in the way that they have been, been positioning their news product for the next generation to understand maybe if that test is now expandable into the sports space. Um, so I think, you, you know, to Dan's point, you've got the the athlete audience and, and participants being able to uh, act natively on a channel that they use, but NBC as an entity might be seeing something interesting, which could be a nice trend for other content creators and brands who might want to get into this space to try and test some things of their own. I think this could be... Um, when you think about the Olympics, this could be the year where um, sort of social and digital, I mean, like, look, it's social and digital has played a role in terms of how people can consume the Olympics and enjoy it and connect to kind of the experience. But I think this year we're going to start to see like a whole bunch of new ways in which we can kind of consume it. I mean, I, in a way, I mean, Holla, um, I think, offers up one way for people to be able to kind of like comment on and express and communicate around like large-scale global events um certainly in terms of like the sharing of like gifts around like these huge world events is like super interesting as well so i just think this year is going to be we're going to start to see some kind of really i feel like i feel like digital and social it's interesting with the olympics because of course the four-year grace period in between we see so much progress progress i suppose is one way of putting it but i think i think digital and social may be the default way of consuming Tokyo 2020. Right. Yeah. And so everybody seems to be talking about what this means for NBC and the Olympics, but there's very little chatter around what this means for Snapchat. Yeah. And, I mean, Snapchat is my family's and my preferred method of communication. Is it? Yeah, everyone has a little giggle at that, but yeah. my family's largely in Australia. Yeah. And it's a great way to stay connected to silly moments that you wouldn't necessarily, awesome. like, send a permanent photo of or kind of feel like you're living in the moment with them. And... But everyone sort of has a little bit of a, a giggle reaction when I tell them that. And for me, this partnership sort of presents an opportunity for Snap to sort of cement itself in maybe a broader style of communication or value um, for people 
than it's sort of been pigeonholed into since it launched as the darling of social media a few years ago. So yeah, yeah. I think the that this... is fascinating. Oh my god, I would not have thought that 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 would be your preferred use of communicating with your family, oh, and you're using it the way that Snapchat snapper. wants you to use it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Travis, you were gonna say. Yeah, no, I think it's interesting what they're doing for the Olympics. If you look at Snapchat's strategy, over, last week they also announced that they're launching Bitmoji TV. And so it, they're, they're targeting different types of demographics. They're broadening, broadening the suite of, type of con the types of content they're producing. Right. And I think the Olympic deal is another step in that direction. Right, and a big one too. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's substantial. Um, all right, number three, Kenny's going to talk to us about Instagram adding new mention option to stories. Kenny, I'm going to lift you up to the microphone. Ah, yes. So Instagram has added a new unique stories mention tool that highlights any Instagram stories that mentions your profile and enables you to easily reshare them to your own stories. This is a really uh, interesting, albeit minor tool that I think will change uh, the ability for brands to leverage UGC and uh, individual endorsements of content in a simple and easy way. Um, and it just makes the interface a little bit cleaner and allowing people to drop in mentions and uh, add to the add text and other native features to what consumers are putting into their own stories. Really nice and simple way. Uh, and I think as brands are looking for unique and authentic ways to show what their consumers are saying about them, Instagram has made it very simple for those managing those accounts to be able to do that with this feature. Um, so pretty straightforward and simple, but a nice tool for marketers to be able to use uh, to amplify some of that consumer content. Awesome. I don't really have much to add to this. I mean, it's just a, you know, it's a small feature update. It'd be interesting to see how people interact with it. Um, I don't know. Is there a mention feature? There is not a mention feature on uh, Facebook stories, right, Kenny? Uh, not to my knowledge, but also that, you know, that could be something that they're just going to beta test in Instagram, see if it's working yeah. and port over. Uh, that, it, it strikes that, that me, it, it strikes me that they've got critical mass on Instagram to be able to test it first when, you know, they've not necessarily been open about how stories have been performing on Facebook. I have a question um, that's not so much related to like the feature itself, but more um, a question for Gray when you sort of like think about your clients. To, to what extent is stories um, a c component of the conversation you're having with brands about social? Um, and, and how significant is it like when you weigh it against all of the other different kind of channels and, and opportunities that brands have to kind of, you know, story tell. Kenny will answer that better than I, but I can tell massive. you that sto yeah, stories has played a big um, part it, in, in a lot of the strategy. We've massive. I, there, there, there isn't a presentation that we do that doesn't include some sort of recommendation around Instagram stories. That I heard an obscene number of 800 million monthly active users on stories, which, I, you know, was shocking. It is the most used feature within the Instagram application. Brands, especially with the ability to add swipe up, linking, all these other things that are going on, now this feature, it is becoming more ubiquitous. I think people are treating it almost like channel surfing where they are flipping through things constantly. So if brands are looking for a way 
to insert their content into the consumption behavior of a lot of different elements and demographics of their key audience, this is the way to do it. Uh, so, you know, I think it is going to become increasingly a bigger part of that mix as well. Um, but I can tell you that we are constantly recommending story ads as a part of the things that we want to create for brands. And part of the reason for that is it gives brands an opportunity to have a more engaging conversation with consumers rather than a promoted post or part of their page, which is essentially a static ad in a very kind of traditional way. It lets you take consumers on a journey and then go even further into that by, you know, swiping up to learn more or click to purchase or whatever in a way that Instagram hasn't allowed you to do previously. So, uh, now we get to the part in the show where we get to talk about TikTok, mm-hmm. uh, which has been a... Is that a mandatory for everyone? It, it hasn't. It isn't mandatory, but it does seem to have featured predominantly on the last probably four episodes. It seems With to be... Toby? Yeah, and then, and then Toby always takes it, and usually it's got a political bent to it, which we completely <laughs> butcher. Um, but this one doesn't have political bent. It's music-focused, and it's TikTok signing new music licensing deal Toby Daniels. Thank you so much. Uh, at Doobie Dance on TikTok, if you guys want to follow uh, the most interesting influencer out there. <clears throat> so here's the news. I'm going to actually like read almost verbatim the article that we're referencing this week, which is a tech crunch article about this particular piece of news. And the reason why I'm going to read it out is because of the fact that I actually take issue with some of the things that they're talking about. Um, so here's the news. TikTok is the fast-growing user-generated video app from China's ByteDance. Um, and they've been building a new music streaming service to compete against the likes of Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. Um, and so in this particular piece of news, they're announcing a deal that paves the way for a global launch of this new product, and they've inked a licensing deal with Merlin, the global agency that represents tens of thousands of independent music labels and hundreds of thousands of artists for music labels, sorry, for music from those labels to be used legally on the TikTok platform. So the bit that I don't really understand or the bit that perhaps I take issue with is this idea that they're launching something that's designed to compete with the likes of Spotify or Apple Music or Amazon Music, because I just don't really understand that. The deal they're doing, the music content they're licensing, is just to give users on the TikTok platform access to more music content which they can mash up with their videos. Makes right? sense. Makes a lot of sense. So not streaming. So not streaming, or at least not trying to kind of offer up an experience where people are going to be literally just consuming music on TikTok. That's just like not what this platform is designed for. So, you know, obviously the users of the platform want more access to music. They actually want less restrictions in terms of how they use music because there are quite a lot of restrictions at this point. Um, So, you know, I just think this is sort of uh, interesting in part because of the fact that it's a pretty big deal that they've inked. Um, Notoriously, doing any type of music licensing deal is really hard, um, even for the biggest platforms with like very deep pockets. And um, and so, yeah, it's meaningful in, in that regard. It's meaningful in terms of giving its users access to more music. But I don't think it is meaningful in terms of the fact that they're trying to develop a music streaming service to compete is with it? Spotify. And this is something we're all going to want to know the answer to. Is it going to give you more Doobie Brothers songs to mash up? No. 
Then, um, then I'm not into it. Then, the, it, which is really the main reason why I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Doobie Brothers focused, so let's move on. Right, and if, by the way, if anyone was like in any way confused about what at Doobie Dance is, it's the Doobie Brothers mashed up with dance videos on TikTok. Um, check it out. Yeah. It's one of the followers. hottest channels right now on TikTok. And by heart, I mean nobody is looking at it yet. So, with I am just in, I am just envisioning the Michael McDonald Motown video playing in Forty Year Old Virgin and driving all of the people crazy. Isn't he a Doobie Brother? You've been in LA for like literally yeah. just days. Kenny's changed. He's hasn't changed. He? Do you He's remember changed. what he used to be like? I do. I grounded. Like, yeah, he was a grounded. New, a real New Yorker. Look at him, I'm in Hollywood, floating around. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kenny, we're going to get to you now with number five again. You're going to talk to us. You're going to talk us through Mark Ronson, fabled producer and DJ, joining the Chase content creators as a music supervisor. Ken, try and find a way of explaining this to us that doesn't just like look like a money grab, would you? <laughs> yeah, so again. speaking of Hollywood, um, <laughs> Chase Sapphire has named Mark Ronson uh, as one of its Sapphire creators. Um, and what that means, he is a part of a group of celebrity ambassadors featured uh, in their new campaign, which is titled Same Planet, More World. And the campaign is really themed around uh, their card perks. And as a music supervisor, what he's going to be doing is curating the artists that will perform at their quote-unquote sound checks, uh, which are the exclusive concerts for card members that are held throughout the year. Now, why this is interesting... Um, well, it's not terribly interesting, but we can make it interesting. Um, I, but but I think you know leveraging content creators who have existing audiences to create experiences for a brand is something we are seeing more and more. Um, you know, Mark Ronson is a pretty well traveled uh, influencer in that regard, and I think has been a part of this scene for quite some time. But what it is highlighting is the ability to not just have this pay someone, have them say one thing or send out one thing, but actually have them be a part of the process. You know, uh, Matthew McConaughey is famous for this with Wild Turkey. Um, and this is something that we have seen before. Um, it's just the interesting thing for me is the selection process for which the brands come up with who this person is and then what they actually give them the ability to do and how much license do they have to actually help the brand create something versus it really feeling more like a transactional brand experience. Is it any different than Will I Am doing this for, well, who did he do it for, HP? Who was that? Ten years ago he did that. Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Well, I mean, all, all it really says is that there's nothing that people like Mark Ronson will do. Um, won't do. Won't do. Won't do. Won't do. When the check is big enough. Yeah. How much is it? I'm in. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah. look, let's be honest. Chase, you know, as yeah. a brand, you know, it, it doesn't speak Mark Ronson to me. Um, so who really knows, like, what's going on here? But I, I get it. Um, I don't know how much there is to discuss about this, but I will will share one quick anecdote. Uh, South by Southwest, about five years ago, Mark Ronson was performing, I think he was like headlining the Pandora stage, um, and he was DJing, and the entire time it just looked like he was checking his email. Yeah. Yeah. Or was that's... that because he was behind a computer? No, just on his Toby, laptop the whole Toby, time. that's called mixing. Um, I'll, I'll be able to tell you about that one day. Um, but honestly, what 
I think it shows, and where it could be interesting, is if Chase actually gave him the ability to discover new artists and use his influence and knowledge and industry experience to help introduce card members to new spaces and new people and new types of music. That is where it's interesting. It's more from a content level perspective than the partnership itself. Okay, I'm... uh... I'm going to wrap up Mark Ronson. I think we've, gi- we've given him plenty of airtime. I, I, when you see him over breakfast, Kenny, let him know he's on the Five Things podcast this week with you. I'm sure it's going to be a big deal for him and his family. Um, let's do Will some... Do. I love the housekeeping bit at the end of this podcast. It might be my favourite bit of the podcast where I get to do a bit of like announcements, right? Air stewardess style. Um, I want to draw our attention to the fact that Holly is one of the co-hosts along with me on our other podcast gray matter which has just launched season two first episode with diamond dallas page the wrestler so if you haven't listened to gray matter i'd be surprised if you haven't but go and listen to that um so thanks for joining us holly thanks for having me how good is that other podcast almost as good as this one honestly some of the conversations that we've had in this season so far have been pretty good right yeah no some of the more most interesting yet so so thanks for joining us on uh, the other podcast Travis Montague from Holla. Thanks for coming in, bud. My What's that, is, is there anything new we should keep? Where can we find out some more about Holla? Where do we go? How do I get this on my messaging devices? Yeah, well, I mean, we had some really big announcements recently. So we just partner partnered with Venmo to add gifts to Venmo payments. For the That's first huge. Time. Yeah. So that rolled out to 50 million users last week. Wow. And uh, and we've been working with a bunch of awesome brands like Subway. IKEA, etc., to to be part of payment notes and payment feed. Very cool. Um, but yeah, you could check it out. It's a it's our newest platform, but it's great. I love it. And will you come back and do this again with us one day? Yeah, uh, not if Toby's here, but okay. <laughs> we, we get a lot. We get that response a lot. A we'll lot. See what we can yeah. do about that. That's why we get so many no's. Yeah, uh, Kenny Gold. Uh, I don't know, I don't know what's next for you out in Hollywood, but I'm sure you. You're probably going to see Ellen or somebody later. Thank you for joining us all the way from the West Coast, Ken. Of course. Will you be back in studio next week, or are you uh, are you are you off elsewhere? Uh, next week, I will be recording live from upstate New York. So the the Kenny Gold World Tour continues. It does sounds fun. Uh, Toby Daniels, as ever. Thank you, mate. Thank you, Dan. Uh, so thank you everyone for joining us for this week's Five Things podcast. We'll be back. Same time, same place, next week with a bunch of brilliant updates and more news on Mark Ronson. Holla! (laughs) (laughs) The Five Things is produced by Andrew Petit, Joey Scarillo, and Christina Torres and recorded at Townhouse Studios. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Social Media Week is a leading conference and industry news platform that curates and shares insights, emerging trends, and best practices with the world's smartest digital marketers. Gray is the exclusive global creative insights partner for Social Media Week. Check out more at gray.com.